0: Welcome to Books and Beyond, with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland
1: Libraries. I know this girl, and she works in a
0: library. Hi Hi,' I ora and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge with Alison and Inica. Kyota Ineka, ora, Alison, great to be here with you again today. Yeah, lovely. So on today's show, we're going to talk about what we've been reading and what's on our to be read lists, and we've got a hot tip to share with you today. Mm. So Inika, you've been reading something really quite quite um, something. I don't know (laughs) what the word is. It's a bit of a hot book actually. Um, So the
1: book that I have um, been reading and I did read it a few weeks ago now but um, because we've had lots of wonderful authors on the show Mm. I've been saving it in Mm. my back pocket. Um, The book I um, read a little while ago was um, Girl A by Abigail Dean. Um, This is available in the library in pretty much all the formats including on Overdrive is an e-book and is an e-audiobook, heaps of copies of that e-audio if that's what you like uh, and you can get that straight away at the moment. Now, Girl A, um, the narrator of this, this book um, is our Girl A, Lexi Grace um, and now Lexi is um, an English woman, she's a successful lawyer in her 30s and she's the eldest of six children. Now, um, this book is a psychological thriller, and I I will say that um, there's probably some content warnings in there for people who may may be um, concerned about um, there is some child abuse in this book, and um, there's some quite extreme situations as well, and there's some sexual content to just be aware of. Um, now, right from the outset of this book, you learn that um, Lexi and her siblings grew up in a notorious house of horrors. Um, they were living in secret um, as captives. Um, they were kept in poverty and um, in a situation of abuse under the guise of, of shelter from society's evils, really. And this was um, all perpetrated by their parents, Um They have a sort of very domineering, religious, zealot type father, Charles, and um, their mother, Deborah, is kind of in this very cowed position in the household where she's sort of complicit with what's going on, not as active, but really can't do a lot to to help to break this cycle. And um, she's also permanently pregnant as well, Mm -hmm. which is part of the control and dominance aspect that Charles kind of imposes on, on the household and the family now um you find out um early in the piece so i should say for a start this is not a spoiler this is really all on the blurb and it's been widely advertised so Mm -hmm. if you have seen or picked up this book you will probably already know this um right at the start you find out that lex managed to escape the house Mm -hmm. when she was 16 and um her escape meant that her siblings were freed um her mother was an imprisoned um and as I say, that's not a spoiler. Mm. That's, that's right up there in the front of the book. Now, when we meet Lex, um, she is, um, her mother's just died and she's been made the executor of her mother's will. And um, she's got the responsibility to, um, to manage um, the inheritance. And all of the now grown children in, the, in Lex's family have jointly inherited the house that they were literally chained to um, as children. So Lexa's role is to um, reconnect with each of her family members, her siblings, to decide on the next steps for this house, for this inheritance. And now they're all um, adults or near adulthood by this point. And um, because they were all fostered out into other uh, different families um, when they were released from their their captivity, um, they're all kind of dealing with the aftermath in different ways depending on how they were brought up after that point what their experiences were in the house, and also um, you know their general temperaments and their coping mechanisms, really. So throughout the book, you're you're getting pulled um, between the p- present of her trying to connect with her siblings and the past. So she there's a slow reveals, and you get more and more detail about what's going on in the house, what happened in the house, um, as Lex kind of starts to come to terms with um, with putting yeah, her family life and her childhood under the microscope. Mm. She's tried to ignore it for many, many Mm. years and tried to block it and compartmentalise it into a different part, really. Um, And she's really kept it quite secret and quite separate. Um, You start getting all these sort of, you've got these scenes which are really quite um, languid and these scenes of boredom because, of course, being stuck in the house, um, there's, there's control issues going on, there's limited scope for education um what's what they are learning and being exposed to is very, very limited by um their fa- their father particularly and so you've got these these sort of slow scenes where the children are just really um languishing you know mm. but then there's these outbursts of of anger or of frustration and violence increasing violence and the um that her father is really closing the net. Each time Any if there's any kind of resistance, he closes the net and closes up that um, net a bit bit tighter. Mm. So he increases the control. Um, the author leaves your imagination to fill in quite a few of the blanks, um, which, depending on your imagination, can be actually a little bit worse than having all the details. depends right. where your mind takes yeah. you really with it. Um, it made me think quite a bit about Room, the book Room oh, by Emma yes. Um In that book, you know, because of um, the way Emma Donoghue um, creates a little bubble for her her child narrator, which has been created by his mother to protect him from the sort of horrors of this captive situation, the reader also gets gets into a bubble with Room. Mm. In this one, you're not you're not in a bubble. You know, you're you're kind of experiencing it as Lexi comes to terms with what's been happening, um, and as the eldest in her family, you know. Um, she's kind of had to deal with a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, she's she's got this kind of quite emotionless, detached voice and it does feel a bit cold at times, but it's really related to the trauma that she's experienced and her coping mechanisms. Yes, yeah,
0: so I was just thinking it's probably the only way she could cope was to kind of detach That's right, that's
1: right. So you've got that sort of feel in it. Um, But there's some lovely moments of of tenderness and care, especially with um, the sister that she's closest to, Evie, in the book. Now this is, um, Abigail said that she really wanted this book to be less of a sort of trauma-trauma, the porn for want oh, of a better yes, word um, there's a
0: lot of that about isn't there there is yeah
1: but she saw it more as a story of hope and resilience mm. because they do escape you know uh, although they are in captivity for a while they do escape now whether she's achieved it or not probably depends on what your kind of level of interest or fascination is with these kinds of stories in real life um and you know they are in the media these kinds of stories mm-hmm. Um, so if you uh, do find yourself quite fascinated by, you know, how these situations come about and what it's like to be in an environment like that and then to escape, then I think, you know, you should really give it a go. Um, the main setup is revealed early on, like I said, but um, the pacing and the structure really pulls you and keeps you turning the pages. So it's one of those ones you'll probably finish in a sitting or two if, you, if you've if you got the time. And there's some really big reveals at the end that are worth mm. waiting for too.
0: It sounds really powerful actually so yeah it, so- it sounds amazing
1: yeah it'll stay with you this one
0: mm. Mm. well look um speaking of sort of um resilience and and hope i've been reading something that it is quite different but there's the similarities um i've been reading a really compelling um manga uh, memoir ah. this week and um our listeners will probably know that manga are japanese graphic works and because they're a huge part of the publishing industry in japan they are for all ages yeah that's right absolutely so um this book and as i say it's a memoir it's um just published and um it's called my alcoholic escape from reality and it's um done by the award-winning manga author kabi nagata who's was perhaps best known for her deeply moving memoir, My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. Ah, yes. And that was published in. 2016, mm-hmm. and um, I think she got awards for that. Mm. And um, it's about her experience of being gay and lonely and ashamed, and and also her struggle as a young person to find meaningful work. Mm. So, um, so we're basically looking at a, a series of of books here. Um, so that first one was followed up by two installments, My Solo Exchange Diary 1 and 2. Mm. Now, I haven't read the Solo Exchange Diaries, but I'd read the first one. Now, I don't think you need to read the series in order. Um, I My feeling is that the books stand alone quite well, but I'm sure there would be people that would disagree with me on that. So, anyway, here we are in the fourth installment of the series, um, My Alcoholic Escape from Reality. So, um, Kabi Nagata, she's found meaningful work. She sort of found her passion, really, as a manga artist. Mm -hmm. But... um, as I'm sure a lot of people would agree, it's very isolating work when you're writing and um, writing or illustrating any sort of art like that. Mm. So you, I suppose you're basically sitting in a room all day um, and it can get pretty lonely. She gets into... Sadly, she gets into a downward spiral um, because she has terrible anxiety and that sort of thing. And um, she gets... Um, that, that's right and so she starts drinking and she basically drinks to excess uh. um, and that's she's trying to self-medicate uh. I guess because life is hard for her. So she gets these horrible stomach pains, goes to the hospital and she's diagnosed with pancreatitis mm. and ends up in hospital for quite a while. Um, and of course this is such a shock to her because normally young adults don't really expect that they're going to get pancreatitis and liver issues from from drinking. From drinking yeah. um, most, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not true, but most young people think that's going to happen to older folks. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, something that you can, might expect later in life. So the book's um, very sobering, um, if that's the right word, <laughs> in many, many ways. So um, she has to struggle to find her way back to a healthy reality Uh Um, and um, so it's kind of a a new, she starts a new chapter and so she's trying to um, get back to health, get back to her manga creation um, in the wake of this serious health crisis Right. It's so good though but I sort of think that anyone who's ever felt lonely or anxious or depressed or anyone that's wondered how they fit into the world is going to relate to this to this series of books um and also anyone in recovery from mental illness or addiction or anyone who's this is probably going to be all of us though who've ever had that thing happen where you take one step forward and two steps back you know there's Mm. so many people will relate to this um it's personal very personal it's um an intimate look at her life it's messy but it's it's real so i really recommend it sounds great yeah and those Um, shared
1: stories are so um so valuable aren't they to know that you're not alone
0: absolutely yes i can really see it helping people um particularly young you know people in their 20s something who might be going through something similar Mm. yeah and um and I might just jump on to my next yeah, one too. Go so, for it, Alison, yeah. Which is also a very, very moving book. Um it's in fact it's completely beautiful. And it's about the fragility of life also. But it's about the beginnings of life. Um, and it's called Mothership. It's by written by um Francesca Segal. And it's a memoir also. But it's about um a woman who has severely premature twin babies, and um, the babies end up in, in a neonatal intensive care unit of a, of a really big London hospital. And oh, right. And, um, oh, man, it's, this is amazing. But so the writer, um, Francesca, and her husband, they find themselves completely out of their depths and overwhelmed by the sort of serious, life-threatening situation that they and their babies are in. Because mm. um, they had, I mean, I'm sure... Most parents would relate to this. You think that parenthood is going to be one thing and then it can turn out to be something. That's right. The vision and the reality. Yeah. Especially in the
1: birth situation.
0: Yeah. Especially if anything goes wrong. And Mm -hmm. so the babies are 10 weeks premature and they're they're very, very ill. Mm. Um, So they get just overwhelmed by the technology, all the beeping machines, the lines, the tubes that are coming out of every orifice um, and even the medical jargon um, you know they get told we think your baby has neck you know and what does that mean to a, a new parent who's who's not a medical person yeah you know, but it's yeah. very serious and so they find themselves on a very steep learning curve so um Francesca um discovers herself keeping vigil really over the the twin girl's um, incubators um, in the neonatal intensive care that th- starts to be called the mothership ship, mm. um, and all her romantic expectations of of new parenthood have disappeared. Basically, they've mm. they're gone. Um, but it's r- a real gripping diary. Um, it's full of tenderness. You know, it's like a love. Poem in some ways yeah. to aspects of her time there, but it's also f- got a real pace, like a compulsive pace. So it's a bit like a thriller novel as well. You you just keep turning the pages. Yeah, with that urgency of yes, yeah, the and condition and yes, that urgency. And then every day there's a new challenge for her and, mm. and the babies, um, and she finds this um, camaraderie with this band of mothers. Um, that are all keeping vigil by the by their babies and they're they're fearless they're inspiring and they they're taking care not only of the the babies but of each other it's oh, beautiful yeah so it's really it's quite an intimate um memoir it's electrifying, but it gets quite raucous at, at times because the mothers bond so well together mm. um so it's one of those ones it's a real um testament to the power of women's friendships yep. I'd say and how um yeah how women can support each other um and it's uh, also a loving celebration of her two twin daughters who um managed to you know defy many odds along the, the journey now, curiously, the medical care that the babies receive is absolutely state-of-the-art and yet it feels so cold and impersonal mm. to Francesca. Um, she talks about this institutional callousness on one hand and yet she also knows that there's this huge generosity of the free public health system. Interesting. That, um, yeah, so, and I'm sure many New Zealand readers would relate to that. You know, yeah. so on the one hand, you've got the best care in the world. And and on the other hand, it feels so cold. Sure. um, that, um, that title, Mothership,
1: also brings to mind the sort of alien.
0: Yes, it does, doesn't you know, it?
1: Another world, another it's, planet. Yes.
0: It's almost like being on the Starship Enterprise or something. Yeah. yeah navigating your way through unknowns. But, you know, um, it reminded me a bit of Amy McDade's book, Fake Baby, which is set sure. in Auckland and has a lot to do with the neonatal unit as well. But yes, of course. It's just beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's funny. And, oh, it's a love letter to nurses everywhere because the nurses are exhausted and they're underpaid, and... Um, you know and that's quite timely at the moment too
1: Abs- isn't it absolutely it is mm. yes oh well that sounds like a really good read i th- yeah i can think of automatically quite a few people i could recommend that book yeah. to so thank you for sharing that one mm. alison mm. yeah well um, speaking of amy mcdade and the medical scene because she's also a she's a neonatal yes, nurse isn't she yeah. and she's an auckland author um well my next book is also by an auckland author um, Eileen Merriman. Um, now she's a very talented author who's going from strength to strength and she's a prolific writer and um, you know she is I don't know how she does this but she's man, managing to write and release a book or even two books a year at the moment while still being a practicing hematologist at North Shore Hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean it's how, incredible. How do you do it? I don't. I, know. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> now most of Eileen um, Mer- Merriman's books um, have been written for young adults um, and she's an acclaimed short story writer too. She often um, is in short story competitions and, and uh, either wins or comes, comes very close to winning. Um, in the last few years though, she's published two um, uh, novels for adults. Uh, one is Moonlight Sonata in 2019 and um, The Silence of Snow was published last year in 2020 and that's the one I'm going to review today. Hmm. Now, um, so our main characters in this book are Jodie. Now, Jodie's a first-year doctor, and she's working a half-year stint in one of the regional hospitals. I think it's Nelson. Um, now, Jodie's the daughter of two um, well-known and highly regarded doctors. Um, so, it's a small scene in New Zealand, of course. Yeah. So, there's this added pressure on her to perform Um and so, she's got a bit of imposter syndrome going on in her first stint, you know, mm-hmm. on the front line. Now, she's trying to hide that she's struggling with that fast-paced and full-on workload, which she feels that she should be able to cope with because she's known about it as a, through her parents, you yeah. know. And to top it off, um, she's separated from her fiancé. He's a flight away. And when he does come up to see her, she's often too exhausted to really make the most of it and to really nurture that relationship. So, enter our second main character, Rory. Now, ah. Rory. <laughs> now he is um, a Scottish anaesthetist. I can't yeah. say that word. Yeah. You know the word, I yeah. mean, right? I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> now, he's a bit older and he's a bit more experienced in terms of his medical experience. Um, he loves literature, just like Jody, mm. and um, he's got a real way with words. I mean, you know, that Scottish accent. Yes. You can't help but have a <laughs> way with words with that. Now, what begins as a a friendship and a kind of a mentoring relationship soon deepens into a a whirlwind romance um, that really sweeps Jodie away. And, of course, this is happening while her fiancé is blissfully ignorant of it. But Rory's actually got his own secrets. Um, He's had a past medical procedure go wrong in his Mm anesthetizing. And um, it's left him with this severe... um, guilt and and anxiety and as a result he's having a lot of trouble sleeping and now I, I have heard that this is an issue with anaesthetists is that um, mm. see, he starts to self-medicate um, with the stress that he's experiencing with sort of sleeping pills but then he starts to turn into a real serious and secret drug addiction with harder and harder drugs coming into play or prescription drugs come into play and it, it starts spiraling out of control. Now, because Merriman's, you know, she's got that deep insider knowledge of the medical world. You know, you've got this very wholly believable hospital setting and characters. Um, It's got all that incomprehensible jargon that we were Mm -hmm. talking about with the mothership. And also that sort of gallows humor and that heartache that comes from all those double shifts and those back-to-back emergency life and death situations and all those decisions that have to be made while you're exhausted and stressed and new to it and maybe you don't have somebody who you can ask for help.
0: You can really see how mistakes get made, can't you? Yeah. When they're working under those
1: conditions. Absolutely. Well, speaking of mistakes, I mean, it, it does remind me of Carl um, Shuka, another New Zealand author um, who wrote a book called A Mistake. Mm. A Mistake? The oh. Mistake? I think it's A Mistake uh, last year. Um, I reviewed that one on, on Books and Beyond. Now, like Carl like Schurker, Merriman doesn't shy away from shining that spotlight back onto the public health system and, and asks the reader to decide, you know, who's really to blame when you've got patients and medical professionals both having compromised health and well-being issues because of staffing issues and budget cuts and, you know, complex health situations mm-hmm. and that pressure to meet government targets. Um, I really enjoyed this book. It was, it was so good. It's got, it's got a lot of tension and emotion. It uh, kind of sweeps you away with it. Um, there's that thread of discovery because Rory's keeping it secret from, um, from Jodie. And you just hope all the way through that it works out for the two of them one way or the other. Um it's a real page turner. It really is. Um it's actually only in the last year, I think I've mentioned this before that I've started reading medical dramas and I'm mm. really into it now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that romance element that that um if you like, you know, ER and Grace, <laughs> you know, you might um that might really appeal to yeah. you. Um yeah, I go, I don't know any of the new ones. Uh I you know the old nineties. Oh <laughs> yes, drummers. like
0: um New Amsterdam is, is the new hotspot one that's right i have
1: i have sort of vaguely heard about that on the grapevine yeah (laughs) now if you like the sound of this one jump in the queue for it and you can also um get in the queue early for her next adult book coming out soon double helix so yeah get in the queue for that too yeah
0: that sounds really really good well um i've got been reading one um and it's been on the medical it's not really medical but it's been like a medicine for oh, me <laughs> that's how I'll do books my segue. <laughs> yeah books says <laughs> medicine um I look I've loved this um it's by an Auckland-based author called, um, or her pen name is Olivia Hayfield Uh and the book is called Wife After Wife. So, um, as you say, Olivia Hayfield, it's the pen name of the writer Sue Copsey who writes children's books mainly. Now, I'd had the copy of this book wife after wife on my bookshelf all year because I bought it last year at a reading festival but um I just knew that now was the time to read this it's a really light-hearted but quite touching romp through London from the 1980s up until the present day basically Mm, sounds fun and I needed something with a touch of humor and glamour you know maybe this grey time of year yeah so in are you familiar with that memory age or that rhyme divorced beheaded died divorced beheaded survived
1: i <laughs> am i went through a tutor phase and i was all oh, right you know teenagers so yes. <laughs> the six wives of, of henry, henry the eighth yes, yes that's
0: right i could never remember which order whether it was divorced <laughs> died beheaded or
1: whatever but (laughs) so good for pub quizzes
0: yeah that's it's excellent isn't it (laughs) so now Olivia Hayfield she's um set out basically to write fiction modern fiction that's based loosely on Tudor history um I quite like these modern retellings of historical figures because you know when we learned history back in the day often that the characters were quite two-dimensional and you didn't really learn a lot about their motivations or their backstories. Mm, That's true. But fortunately, we know that's changing now. So, um, this book, anyway, it's a modern take on the life and loves of Henry VIII. And one reviewer, this is quite funny, said that if Philippa Gregory and Jackie Collins had gone out for cocktails (laughs) and got a bit trashed um, (laughs) and written a book, they would have come up with wife after wife (laughs) basically so it centers um around the life of um a guy called harry rose he's a 21st century womanizing media mogul who's on the forbes rich list and um the story it starts in the 1980s when he's a, a very young man recovering from a family tragedy and just starting out in the business world And he's drop dead gorgeous and rather charming with the ladies, but um, so he—I'm saying womanising and everything. There's a bit of a spoiler alert that the Me Too movement is going to come and get (laughs) him. So, which is good. So, so anyway, Harry's a bit like our Henry VIII. Um, It's um, follow starts in the 80s. It um, progresses forward. Covers every affair and um, liaison that he has in his life. Um, it's funny, um, hilarious, actually. Yeah. It's got lots of big hair, um, big <laughs> shoulder pads. Um, we have everything from the AIDS epidemic to Thatcherism to the Me Too movement. Oh, wow. It's yeah. great. It's fun. It's addictive. Bit of a guilty pleasure, to be really honest, um, but just perfect for these gray days so if sounds i could fab yeah oh look i really i would prescribe this for anyone who's feeling a bit gray <laughs> um, at the moment um so on my to be read list is the sequel to wife after wife and that's called sister to sister um just published and it, it's loosely based on the life of elizabeth the first oh fun uh, can't wait oh
1: wonderful oh,
0: that sounds so good Well, we've just got time
1: for a really quick hot tip. Um, We talked about We Read Auckland last week. It's finally here after heaps of work behind the scenes. We're (laughs) really excited to announce Auckland Library's new winter programme, which celebrates our readers, our super talented Auckland authors, and all those stories that bring us together. Now, it kicks off on Monday 31st of May and it runs for two weeks. So check out the Auckland Library's website and your local library's Facebook pages to find out about all the different events and activities that are happening. There's something for all ages and all stages. Um there's workshops, um there's special story times, talks from Auckland authors and experts, and heaps of um, activities that you can join in just during your usual visit. Um also some online events and content too, Alison.
0: Yes, that's right. And we're both going to be um on appearing in on some online events, aren't we? Yes. So I'm super excited about yeah. that. So and it's all easy to do, free Um, It's going to be great, isn't it? Yeah, now some of the events do require you to book free tickets
1: online so you can secure your spot. It's easy to do Just go to the Auckland Library's website and
0: we will guide you through Yep, it's going to be great. Really excited about that. Well look um, to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in today Hopefully we've been able to prescribe some good reads for you. So take care and be kind to yourself Hi, rā Cookie tape This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program
1: next Sunday at 9.35 p.m. on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz Slash Books and Beyond. Every